Hello, Renoites listeners, and welcome to this special bonus live episode of Renoites. This episode was recorded live at Black Rabbit Mead Company here in Reno, just on East 4th Street near downtown in the Brewery District. This month's live episode was with Vertigo and Armani the Star, two of Reno's local drag performers. We had a great conversation in front of a live audience about Reno's drag scene, about drag culture, about Reno's queer community and spaces. A couple of Reno's gay bars have closed in recent months. A really great conversation with some great audience questions, a lot of interaction, and was really fantastic. I've been doing these live episodes at Black Rabbit Mead for about six months or so. They're monthly, so keep an eye on my Instagram for upcoming live events at Black Rabbit Mead. I would love to see you at one soon. And now, this month's special live episode recorded at Black Rabbit Mead. Welcome to the biggest live taping of Reno Whites that I've had so far. Thank you all so much for being here. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Thank you all so much for coming tonight. I love you guys. So this crowd is is full of people that I know and appreciate. So to all of my friends, to all the people who know me personally, thank you so much for coming to this thing tonight. It's really fantastic to have you here. For folks who don't know me and don't know what Renoites is, maybe you just stumbled in, maybe you saw a thing on Instagram. My name's Connor McQuivy. I host a local podcast called Renoites. It's a weekly interview show. And the idea of the show is that I really love long-form interview, about an hour or so. I listen to a lot of podcasts that are long-form interview. And Reno has so much going on. And we did not have a long-form interview show that had a wide variety of guests and a lot of different topics. So a couple years ago, I decided, hey, I love to talk to people. I love to learn about what's going on in Reno. I care so much about the city. I can do that. I can talk to people. I can make a podcast. And it's been such a fantastic experience. About six months or so, uh, six months ago or so, Will from Black Rabbit Mead invited us to do some live tapings here, and it's been fantastic. Can we give a round of applause to Will for providing this space? <laughs> providing this space for us. It's It's been amazing to have these live episodes and uh, and really a great experience to have a live crowd. It's a different environment, a different experience for me. And tonight I am so excited that we have an episode about drag with a couple of our local drag queens. Let's give a round of applause for Vertigo and Armani for joining us on the podcast. I have wanted to do a drag-related episode for a really, really long time. My podcast is obviously overrepresented of the LGBTQ community, which is great. I'm glad to have so many queer guests on my show, but I haven't had a drag episode yet, so I'm glad to be able to have a couple of our best local drag queens here to talk about drag culture, about drag in Reno, about the queer community, about the the bars. A couple bars have closed, so what does that mean for the queer community here in Reno? A lot of stuff to talk about, so thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Vertigo and Armani, for joining us tonight. Let's uh, let's jump right in and, and, and meet our queens uh, so I'd like to start with kind of your personal experience of drag. I want to introduce you to the crowd, let people know what you are about. So Vertigo, I know you're from a more rural part of Nevada, right? Yeah, I grew up about an hour away from Elko in a little town called Crescent Valley, Nevada. Wow. Has anybody heard of that? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I have not heard of Crescent Valley, Nevada. I know Nevada pretty well, but I, even I haven't heard of that one. It's like a mile by a mile, 300, 400 people tops. You have to drive an hour to go to the grocery store. Gotcha. Like, it's it's something else. And I was like the only gay boy there. So so how long have you been in Reno and doing drag? What's what's your experience been like here in Reno? I've, I moved here right before the pandemic hit. And um, so I've been here for about three years. I moved here as soon as I turned 21 because I was ready to chase that dream the mm. second I was allowed to get into a club. So... <laughs> Excellent. And then what about you, Armani? How long have you been doing drag and what's kind of your, your drag background? 
Oh God! <laughs> I, I know. Never, ne- never ask a woman her age. But. So, right? <laughs> Ever? Um, I have been doing drag since I was like sixteen, so it's like a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've been in Reno ever since 2006. And actually, when I came here, it was just... You guys know what Silver Dollar Court is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, so, for people who don't, can you explain what Silver Dollar Court is real quick? No. <laughs> I, I know nothing about them. I just know that they were here. They, they help raise... Oh, Dennis is here. Um, they help raise money for different organizations, LGBTQ, like... Uh, uh, people with medical issues, like any kind of organization that will take money, we raise money for, well, I say we because I perform in the shows to help Mm -hmm. them raise money, so, yeah. But when I first got here, like, it was only Silver Dollar Court Queens, and if anybody knows what a Silver Dollar Court Queen is, like, they're, like, just tall and big and hair and costumes and makeup and earrings, and that's it. Like, they don't perform. Mm -hmm. So when I got here from Michigan, like... I was new to them. Like, they've seen drag before, their drag, but they never seen my drag before. Mm. So, like, I say more mainstream drag is what I brought to Reno. Because then after I started, then we were doing shows at Tronics, and then here come the, um, the Reno Kings. They had, like, a little group thing or whatever that we all did at Tronics. We all performed together and, like, all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Gotcha. So I've been, yeah, I've been here for a minute. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, do you remember your first time in drag? Tell me yes. about when you're, obviously, uh, baby drag queens. It's a big experience to, to put on the look for the first time. Can you tell me about your first, uh, first time in drag or first performance in drag? Yeah. So I was... 16, 17, and I stole my sister's ID to go to the gay bar, and that was like week one. And then I get there, and the owner is like, are you in the show? And I'm like, what show? I didn't know what drag was. And he was like, the drag show. And I was like, I know. So he was like, just watch. So I watched, and he was like, you want to do that? And I was like, duh. So I came back the next week, and I stole one of my sister's ponytails, and a shirt and a pair of pants and some high heels from her. And I went to the bar with my friends and performed A Moment Like This by Kelly Clarkson as soon as she won American Idol. That was like the first song I ever performed. And I got $6 in tips. I was so excited. (laughs) And then after that, it was all over after that. Yeah, it just, I can't not do drag. Yeah. Even when I'm not in drag, people are still like, Oh, she, her, they still, yeah. So, so people, people know you as a drag queen even outside of your normal drag life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do hair as well. So a lot of my clients are like people that come to the drag shows and vice versa. So, gotcha. yeah. Vertigo, what about you? Do you remember your, your first time in drag? Was that in Elko or was that, or not Elko? Crescent, Crescent, City, Crescent City? Crescent Valley, Valley. Yeah. yeah. My first time in drag was in my bedroom and so was my second third, 17th, 19th. Um, My parents were not really ready to have had a gay son. So I hid my makeup in a hole in my mattress, like in a plastic garbage bag and everything. Like I kept it tucked away and I practiced for years and years and years. I've been doing drag since I was like 14 and I'm 24 now. So it sounds a little weird to be like, I've been doing drag for 10 years, but I have been, but I've only been performing for two or three. But my first time in drag, like officially, officially was here in Reno. I performed at Splash um, February of 2020. And 
I Splash just recently closed, if nobody knew. Um, and the the first number that I ever did at Splash was the number that I did the last time. Um, so what's, it when, was pretty cool. Was I debuted on a Latin night, so I the best that I could do was Alejandro by Lady Gaga. <laughs> so um, that was the first and last number at Splash for me, and that was pretty pretty sad, mm-hmm. but it was nice to close the chapter like that. Yeah. What is, what has surprised you about drag that you didn't expect kind of coming into the world of performing drag in venues? Uh, what have you been surprised by or what didn't you expect kind of in this drag world? You know, ironically enough, I did not think and I was not prepared for how social of like a thing it is. You know, I, it's not that I'm like antisocial, but I did not expect and I love people like I getting to know everybody, having people come out to see Armani and I and everything that we've been doing. It's amazing. But I just did not think that people would catch on to me, I guess. So yeah. it feels really cool to have moved to Reno and to have been seen, which that's that's what anybody ever hopes for. So. And I mean, you've had a big impact in the last couple of years. You'd host a lot of events. I, I see you at various venues around town. You're a fairly prominent drag queen in Reno in just the last couple of years. I try. I don't like to take <laughs> no for an answer. And, you know, like kind of back on the splash thing, it was really cool to have like been the person to have organized the last show too. like I rallied all the troops together, organized the music, promoted like we got it all ready. So yeah, thank you. I don't like to call myself prominent or anything, but some people do. <laughs> so, <laughs> excellent. What about you, Armani? Have you, has your work in drag been what you expected it to be? Have there been any surprises along the way that you kind of didn't uh, expect as you got into doing what you do? There's always surprises, always, because like you expect there, like you have an image of your drag, right? So then when you meet new drag queens, like I did not know what a monster queen was until I moved to Reno. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, so I'm, I'm from Michigan, so East Coast Club Kids, like all that stuff is like norm. But then to come out here and meet like a monster queen, I was like, uh-oh, she's gonna kill me, I swear. Like, <laughs> cause it, it's just a different aesthetic that they have. Their, their personalities are no different. It's just their, their look is something that they do. You know what I mean? Like, like I have my own thing. She has her own thing. Like we all have our own like shtick, you know what I mean? And like monster Queens, like they're gross and they're dark and they're, but it's awesome. You know what I mean? But it, it's awesome. Like, I love it. Like serotonin, she's like a monster queen and all of her stuff is just like red and black and blood and teeth and eyes. And like, you know what I mean? Just like, but it's pretty. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that's something that I had to get used to for a second. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you describe your own drag? So there's all different kinds of drag queens. There's, you know, there's fashion queens and comedy queens and the more performance-oriented dance, you know, more dance and lip sync. So what is, how do you describe your drag? Like what's your, what's your style? I've been described, I guess, as a body queen because until recently, <laughs> I don't wear, I haven't wore hip pads, but it got cold outside. So I was like, we're going to try this. But yeah, usually like I, I, there's nothing fake about me except for the makeup and the hair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and the tricks and like, yeah, basically it's called a body queen because, you know, you do the splits and the cartwheels and all that good happy stuff. I know she's 41 and she can still split a rug. (laughs) (laughs) Watch. And most of these girls are half my age and can't. So I'm like, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> I'm like, I dare you to split and break a hip because I won't. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but my drag changes. Like, you get you get bored with not anyone's drag, but your own drag. I do. So after like a year or so, I'm like, oh, my face needs to change, or the way that I dress needs to change, or the size of my shoes, you know what I mean? Like how high or low the heels are or whatever, you know what I mean? Like something has to change because you get bored with your, with your own drag, right. you know what I mean? Like, and if I'm getting bored with it, I'm sure other people are too. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> right. And uh, what about you, Vertigo? How do you describe your, your drag to people? To tell you the truth, I'm still um, figuring that out. Like, I don't really consider myself like a comedy queen, like a look queen. I know I look good, but like, <laughs> I wouldn't consider, you know, I just, I'm just a woman womaning. I just like, I just like to do the things and I like to have fun and it really is like my passion and my dream, but I don't really, I don't put it in a box and kind of like what Armani said, it's, it's just you evolve constantly and Reno is such like a melting pot for so many different things. We have so many different drag queens here. You wouldn't think about it, but if you sit and look, the city's packed. Like there's a lot of very fantastic drag artists here and everybody brings something different to the table, you know, which is true of any community, of course, but like the Reno drag scene really is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's impressive for a city the size of Reno. Vertigo sent me a list of all the drag queens in Reno and all the different drag houses. I had to scroll for a long time to get through all of the queens that are in Reno. So it's really impressive that as a city this size that we have a really big drag community, right? It's huge. It's huge. And the gay community is bigger than you would expect it to be. But like, you don't see everybody out so often, you know? Yeah, and I think one of the things that that factors into that is spaces to go. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, a couple of our gay bars have closed recently. So it's interesting about how Reno's kind of changing and creating spaces for the queer community. One thing that I tend to think in a lot of places, there sometimes is not as much of a need for gay bars because queer people are accepted generally everywhere. I grew up here in Reno, but then I lived in Portland for a while. And there are gay bars in Portland, but the vast majority of the gay community that I knew in Portland were going to various bars all over the city. We weren't focused on one gay neighborhood or gay area because there was inclusion kind of everywhere. So it makes me kind of wonder if Reno is also sort of at that stage in its development of gay culture where there, obviously we want to have gay bars, we want to have spaces, but maybe there's not as much of a need because we're kind of everywhere now, right? Is Black Rabbit Mead Co. a gay bar? Right. <laughs> you know, no, but here we are. And we've been really lucky to have had like quite a few places open up their doors and allow us to do whatever it is that we do there, gay bar or not. We're in at Five Star almost three or four times a week. But um, Playfield 76, the Picnic Bar and Pub is coming up soon for a little sober show. Hukava, um None of those are necessarily gay venues, but that's, it's a good and a bad thing because when there's nowhere like specific for a community to go, like that's why Splash, I think, closed, you know, because people weren't going to it. Right. Every, but it's good that else. we get to go to other places, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, you, I, it also seems like that our drag culture has been the leader of moving us into these other spaces, right? So I see drag brunches everywhere. And I think that is a big part of expanding kind of the footprint of the queer community here is these drag events that are at places that are not specifically gay bars. So it almost feels like the drag community is leading the way in bringing our queer community into other venues and other spaces in Reno. 
we're just really lucky because Reno's a very, 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 very accepting city. Like I have never felt unsafe here. Um, Carson City, Virginia City, I don't know about all that, but like Reno is, it's a beautiful place to be. Excellent. I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, it's, it's so important, I think, especially for, for drag performers who are potentially in dangerous cities, like a target for violence, for things like that. So I being able even to be in drag. being a drag queen in Texas or something right now, like, fuck that. Can I, yeah. can yeah. I cuss? Go, go, go wild. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. But we're good here, you know? Excellent. Um, one of the things I always like to ask drag queens about their names, because your drag name is, that's your character, that's your presentation. Often drag names are, are fun and clever. Can you just tell me about how you have chosen your drag names? I have Vertigo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted one name, like Madonna or Cher or something. Um, Lady Gaga is like my number. If you're, if you're a gay man, you have to pick one female pop star to like die for it's it's or an actress even you know i don't know you you know what i'm talking about um you have to just go hard for one female pop star actress whatever and mine is lady gaga and she makes like references to the film vertigo and everything too so it kind of scratches both of those needs i guess i don't know and it works i think i hope (laughs) and what about you armani armani the star well, that was an evolution thing as well, because I was on the Greyhound bus coming from Michigan to Reno, and in Michigan, I was Jasmine Jabal, and then I was talking to my friend on the phone, like those Nextel do-to-do phones, you remember those? Yeah, I was talking to my friend on the Greyhound bus, and I was like, I'm going to a new city, I need a new name, and it was nighttime, so when I very first got here, it was Armani Night, because... I'm, I guess I'm expensive. (laughs) I don't get that part, but my friend picked that from Michigan. He picked that part. And because it was nighttime, that's where Armani Night came from. So we just put a K in front of it because I didn't want to be like nighttime because I am dark already. (laughs) So it's night because if people know me, I will kick your ass. Um, And then... I don't know. I don't know how it happened or when it happened. Just all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to be Armani the Star. Because I have stars tattooed all over my body, and like my house is stars and rainbows, and my cats all have star names and stuff. So yeah, that's where that came from. And then there's a stupid story that Vertigo tells all the time about me and Five Star. And how Five Star... Like, I've been at Five Star since it's been five star. I look good, don't I? <laughs> Not a wrinkle one, bitch. <laughs> yes, tell him, tell him. We've had the bartender at five star tell us, I hate when you tell me that story because like, they hear it from the back of the bar. But anyway, have, has anyone, do you know Five Star Saloon? Have you been there? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's the oldest gay bar in Nevada, period. Like that includes... Vegas, blah, 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 blah. Oldest gay bar in, in, in Nevada. Facts. Since 1971. Um, and I like to tell a story whenever I introduce Armani that Five Star back in the day used to just be called The Saloon. Okay? It was... Because it's five, the, five Star The Saloon. But it just used to be The Saloon. Okay? But Armani used to be called Armani Six Stars, 
when she moved into town, she felt bad that Five Star had no stars. So she gave five of her stars to Five Star, <laughs> thus uh. making it Five Star Saloon. And then she became Armani, the singular mm. star. Uh-huh. I don't know where it came from. I was drunk on the microphone one night, but I tell it almost every single Friday night. A big part of drag is performance, obviously, lip syncing, dancing, but we're on a microphone now. Vertigo, you MC and host kind of the events and drag nights. Can you talk a little about the, the difference in the performing of musical numbers and uh, and lip syncing and actually having to be on a microphone and engage with audiences and is that something you expected or enjoy about the drag world? Um, I don't want to be like on the record saying that there's anything that I don't necessarily enjoy about drag <laughs> because I do like it all. Um, when I moved here, I was not ready or prepared to host, but Armani kind of took me under her wing and I guess I went with it because since then we've opened up shows that like three or four different venues and stuff. But um, hosting and lip syncing could not be more different. Lip syncing, all of the words are figured out for you in advance. Hosting, you have to think like on the fly. And there's some queens that I kind of get down on myself for because I talk to them and they're so witty and they're so fast that I walk away from that like interaction thinking, damn bitch, like you're kind of dumb. Like you're kind of (laughs) slow. Not putting myself down or anything, but... I don't know. I just, some people are so funny, so fast. I wasn't really ready for that. I do prefer to lip sync, you know, but um, hosting's hard. I have a lot of respect for you who, who does a podcast, you know, and what you don't think about the podcast part, this one's live, but when he sits with other people, imagine listening to your voice for hours and hours and hours (laughs) while you edit it. I have so much respect for Connor because I would not want to listen to myself it it is painful i have gotten used to the sound of my own voice but the first handful of episodes editing it was just cringing the entire time oh god i sound terrible so it's you you get comfortable over time though i think is a big part of it the more you do something the more comfortable you get with it and you kind of learn to love things even that you didn't like before yeah absolutely absolutely um let's see Oh, I want to ask you about reading. For people who do not know drag culture, gay people in general are often thought of as like witty and sassy and clever. Drag queens especially witty and sassy and sometimes a little mean. And I know reading is a big part of drag culture. For people, mean? For, uh, <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Maybe. Uh, uh, but I think that for people who are not that familiar with drag, can you explain a little bit about the, the role of reading and clever digs at people as part of like the drag culture? Reading is fundamental, to quote that. Um, reading is just... Sometimes you listen to two drag queens talk to each other and you think that they must hate each other. Sometimes you're right... Other times, they're just being funny back and forth. Reading is just um, being a bitch, yeah. but it's fine because it's in drag. You get, you get to get away um, with it. Right. Is, is part of being in drag and being able to put on a different persona part of the appeal of it? Like how much of your normal personality kind of maps onto your drag persona and how much of it is when you feel like you're in a look, in a costume, that you're a different person and you get to be a different, uh, you know, per- behave in a different way? You know, I'm going to answer this and then I'll let Armani answer it because I know that she's somewhere different with it than me. 
I don't really consider myself that different of a person in or out of drag. Like out of drag, I'm a little bit shy. I get nervous. Um, that doesn't go anywhere while I'm in drag. I'm still a little bit shy. I'm still a little bit nervous. It's not so much a character, but you you feel like you definitely have a little bit of like, for me at least, like armor on. You know, like you're so made up. You're so precise with the way that you want people to perceive you. It, it does kind of feel a little bit like a shell, but like I wouldn't necessarily call it like a different character or persona for myself or anything. But I think Armani is a whole new bitch when she's in drag. <laughs> yeah, I've, mine are two different people. Because like during the day, there's Armani Knight, the boy, and then at night, it's Armani the star. Like they're like, so before my mom passed away, like she would always want to like see the process of me getting ready. And like every time I would go like show her my makeup or show her my hair or show her my outfit, like she would tell me that she would like notice that like the way I walk changes, the my mannerisms change, the way I talk is different. Like everything, like I'm turning into the drag queen Armani, you know what I mean? Like, and plus, like, some of the stuff that Armani the Star says, Armani Knight would never say. Like, <laughs> I do hair, so, like, I'm used to listening to people's bullshit all day, you know what I mean? But I, I wouldn't say things to them like Armani the Star says things. Because Armani Knight, <laughs> she's, like, she's the same, like, demure and like kind of introverted and like you know not necessarily scared but like not as extroverted as Armani the Star because Armani the Star ask her a question and you will get the honest to God truth even if you don't want it you will hear it and some people call call me a bitch but yeah it it happens please please that's a compliment like (laughs) you a bitch I'm like thank you But now you're going to do your makeup right, right? (laughs) Start blending, bitch. (laughs) Uh, Tell me a little bit about drag houses. So there's like groups of drag queens that work together, that help each other, that perform together oftentimes. And I know Reno's got a handful of drag houses. So what are drag houses, generally speaking? And then kind of what does the Reno community look like for the drag scene as far as drag houses and how you all interact with each other? So like... I've never been in a house just because it, to me, it feels like, I don't know, it, it feels like too much like a gang, you know what I mean? Because, because if I'm in a house, then it, it's not that they're saying that you can't go hang out with other drag queens or go perform with other drag queens and stuff, but somebody will say something, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're giving them our secrets and you're telling them this and you're telling them that, and blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? Like, I... Out here, it's it, it's different than in East Coast. Like East Coast, it's way more hardcore. Like, yeah, drag queens beating up other drag queens and stuff. Like, it's not like that out here. Out here, it's more of a camaraderie thing. Like, everybody is in it for everybody. Everybody's in the house for everybody. Like, and I kind of wanted to start a house, but not have it be. A house, you know what I mean? Just like a group of friends. And if you decide to go do something with other people, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to tell you you can't come back and perform with us because you went and performed with a different house. Like, that's just opportunities for everybody. You know what I mean? So it's just, 
and that's how most houses are here. Like, go do your own thing, but know that you're part of our thing, our little group, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's, there's a thousand million different definitions of what a house is. Like, because some have house mothers where there's like, the mother is like the patriarch or matriarch, whatever you want to call them like <laughs> that like makes all the rules and you know says what you can do what you can't do what you should be doing and what your name should be or you know what i mean like so there's somebody that like rules the house and then everybody else is just like the worker ants like you know what i mean <laughs> but i mean the houses around here aren't really like that it's just like a group of girls that get together and they all have the last name same last name basically like I don't, I've never really seen it like that strict of how the houses are here. Like, it's just a group of friends that choose to stay a group of friends forever and ever and ever. What, you know what I mean? Like, we're labeling our friendship like House of. <laughs> and, and Vertigo, your Instagram yeah. handle is House of Vertigo. Are you, are you uh, uh, a head of a house of drag queens or what is your experience of drag houses? <laughs> Um, House of Vertigo comes from, um, I'm not like necessarily anti-house. Um, I think everybody in Reno that is in a drag house is amazing. Um, but I just started out solo. I'm self-taught. I didn't even really learn that much from a YouTube video because I didn't understand it. I was my own drag mother. Um, did everything myself when I moved to Reno after doing drag for like at the time seven years. Armani definitely helped me. But um, House of Vertigo is just saying, and I do have a drag daughter. Her name's Ivory Towers. She's, um, she's wonderful. She sings live. She does so much. I'm so proud of her. But Ivory Towers, it's not Ivory Vertigo or whatever. You know, it's just, I really like to operate solo a little bit, but still within my group of friends. But I don't like to put, I don't know. It's just no hate to anyone that does it, but it's just not... Not my thing with the house. Gotcha. How um how have you seen drag become more mainstream and popular? Because I know like RuPaul's Drag Race has been on for fifteen years or something now, a long time. So I think that we've seen a kind of increasing prominence of drag in popular culture. A ton of people, not just queer people, like a lot of straight women watch Drag Race and love it. I know there's a lot of fans across the uh, you know uh, sexual orientation spectrum for drag both events and media. So how do you, have you seen kind of drag become more, more mainstream, more prominent, more visible? Um, and what do you think of that? It's, it's kind of crazy how um, I almost want to say like oversaturated, but not in a bad way because it's a good thing to see people discovering themselves like this and expressing themselves and doing their art. But there are so many Queens. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're, you're a gas station and then more gas stations keep popping up on the same street, you know? It's a good thing, but also, um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm kind of like losing my train of thought. Um, no, I like seeing more drag happen. And we, Armani and I are probably like some of the only drag queens that you've ever met that don't religiously get down on RuPaul's Drag Race. We do the viewing parties at Five Star. I've seen this season, but I haven't watched Drag Race before that in like five or six years, maybe, you know, because something about Drag Race, it, it makes people think that drag has to be 
so ridiculously elevated that it's not even necessarily like attainable to everybody. So does it set an unrealistic standard? For, it absolutely, it for, absolutely and, does. Especially for those girls things. that are going on that show are growing, like they're going broke because they take out so many loans mm. without even a guarantee. You're one out of like anywhere between 14 to 16 people. You're, you're not guaranteed that you're going to win. It's not guaranteed that you're even going to get like a favorable edit on the TV show. Right. And you waste, not waste. It's obviously like a great opportunity, but you spend all this money on costuming and stuff that's not... It's not realistic. It's not attainable, you know? And, and imagine getting picked for Drag Race and then going and getting the villain at it and having everybody hit you. Yeah. Yeah. It would be me. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what was my next question? I lost my train of thought, too. Um, Good. I know. That makes me it's feel better. Worst. All right. Story of my life. That's, that's why I love editing on the not live episodes. I lose my train of thought. I'll fix that in post editing. Um, so we talked a little bit about the, the bars closing and how Reno is for drag and for the queer community. What do you wish we had more of? I know that we're a very accepting community. There's a lot of opportunities. What do you think is missing from Reno's uh, either queer nightlife or from our drag scene? Uh, what would you like to see more of here in the area? All the gay clubs that are closing, you know, like queer specific nightlife, everything's closing up, but we can't have it if people don't go. You know, like Five Star, it's been there for so long. It's in a good location downtown, but... I don't worry about five star, but faces had their last night. I think November 4th, 2022 splash was January 22nd, 2023. They closed just months after each other. And now all that's left is five star and Carl's. And on one hand, it's great that we can go anywhere and be accepted and taken in with open arms, but having spaces that are like for you and I hate to, it sounds cliche, but the safe spaces, yeah. you know, like they really are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that matters. One one pitch that I will make. So I, <laughs> I, I hate to compare Reno to Portland too much because I know a lot of people in Reno hate that. But when I lived in Portland, one of the things that I really valued, there was a lot of great gay bars, but a huge part of my nightlife with a lot of my friends was the monthly queer dance party. And there were branded dance parties. They would have a name. There was Gaycation. There was one called Blow Pony. There was one called uh, Hard French in the Bay Area. And there are these monthly parties that are generally at a, a friendly straight bar. It's not a gay bar, but a bar that's got affordable drinks. It's got a great patio. They hire a fantastic DJ. And it was the place to be. It's where I saw everybody that I knew. It was really the center of queer nightlife in a lot of other cities is not necessarily at the bars, but it is very queer-centric, more, you know, more punk, more kind of independent kind of attitude. And I think Reno is missing that. So that's my pitch to anyone who's listening to this here in the crowd or out in the world. Uh, how do we have a queer monthly dance party that's like a real banger that everyone goes to? Yeah, they're working on it? Yeah, that's, that is my request for anyone who's hearing this and has, has options for that. I would love to see that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about drag kind of in the, the broader world. I know we've been talking about Reno a lot, but drag is very much under attack right now. Uh, very obviously is kind of a stand-in for general homophobia and transphobia. I think that homophobic, transphobic people see drag queens as the most visible representation of, uh, you know, the, the gender spectrum, and that comes under attack a lot. So how do you think drag performers should respond to the criticism of people who have no, no actual interest in understanding the art of drag or what drag is about. Uh, how do you think we should engage with the like, bad faith attacks on drag that we're seeing kind of in the media and in the political world? 
I I don't know. Like I'm I'm the type of person that's like, sorry about your bad luck. You're missing out. You know what I mean? Like I'm sorry that you feel this way. You know what I mean? Like, but but drag is not just for gay men. Like a lot of trans women and trans men use drag to like make a living. That's how they pay the rent. That's how they pay their car payment. You know what I mean? Because they can't get jobs other places, you know, like normal places, you know what I mean? Like with the degree that they have, obviously, you know what I mean? Because they're trans. So the only thing they have left is drag, you know what I mean? And for anybody outside of the drag world or the gay world to look at it and be like, oh, you guys suck because of whatever, like, I'm sorry that you're that small-minded. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it really, like, it hurts my heart that it makes people think like that. Like, because nobody's out there to hurt anybody, you know what I mean? We're just out there having fun, showing our latex boobies and, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, to have a good time, that's all it is, is to have a good time. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily about the money because I've done a few shows where I don't make money, but I still had a great time. The audience had a great time, you know what I mean? And it, it's just... Who, whoever, it, like, has issues with it, I'm, like, I'm just... I'm just sorry that you can't see the the best side of it because there is no bad side of it. Like, I don't... That's what I don't get is because people see a bad side of drag, but there is no bad side of drag. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I think the bad side is all just made up, right? Yeah, It's, it's like yeah, an absolutely. excuse to, to be homophobic, transphobic, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're, you just have nothing else better to do than make shit up and like, you know what I mean? Like, let's hate this group of people just because I'm sad today or whatever, you know what I mean? Or I'm manic, so I'm gonna hate this other group of people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, I... Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that's always in the news, like the drag queen story times and things, and Vertigo, I know you've done like the drag queen story hour thing at the... Uh, at the generator at the punk rock flea market and, and things like that. So I think that visibility and, uh, you know, inclusivity for young people is super important. The idea of taking away the, uh, the very concept of drag queens from young people really sucks. Like when I was young, I had very, very little exposure to gay people, right? Like it was just not spoken about, not talked about, just not a thing. I have a gay uncle and I did not even know he was gay until I was like in my 20s. I was like, oh, duh, this is like the gayest dude I've ever seen. But... <laughs> I didn't know because no one talked. He had a, a long, long, long time partner, and that was his his friend, his roommate, right? When I was a kid, and now looking back, man, when I was a kid, I wish that I would have had more exposure to the queer community so that I would understand. Oh, I'm not alone. Oh, there's other things that I can do. There's other different ways to be, and I think that taking that away from kids is is so harmful to the kids. So when we're talking about you know confusing kids or things like that. Shit, I was confused because no one was explaining that being gay was even a thing. That was the confusing part. So, Vertigo, can you talk a little bit about kind of why the things like Drag Queen Story Hour and why uh, drag can and should be kid-friendly or include young people? Can you just talk a little bit about drag for young people and why that matters? Well, yeah. And, you know, anybody with a brain, you think about, like, nature versus nurture. There is nothing that can nurture you into being gay or straight. I grew up being subjected to so much heterosexual media, which clearly failed to um, have any propaganda on me. It did not make me straight. It 
you know, like having kids see drag and also anyone that says that drag queens are doing like the leotards and like the nip slips and stuff in front of children. That does not happen. Any form of art form can be polarized. It can be not safe for work and it can be safe for work. You know, Um, I think drag for children, if I had something to like look up to at that age, I think it would have made the world a difference Things on TV like Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, I don't know all the other ones, but you know, there's there's drag on TV, and it's the raunchy kind. What was that? Yes. See, Um, there's a lot. Even Bugs Bunny has like gotten up in drag before. Kids don't see it as like a sexual thing. Children see it as like a funny, like that's a man in a dress and this is kind of fun and it's kind of goofy. And that is what it's supposed to be. If you think about drag and like what it is, getting dressed up and lip syncing to someone else's music, that's ridiculous. That's so goofy. And it's supposed to be. Like that's the whole point. It's not, there's no underlying agenda. Um, Not for me at least, but not for anybody. But you know, there's not a damn thing wrong with it. Uh, what about audience questions? I would love to open up for a f- handful of audience questions. We got a lot of people in the crowd tonight, which is fantastic. Uh, who has some questions for our, our queens tonight? Go for it. I'll just have you shout it out. So have you been back home? A lot. Yeah, my par- my family lives in Crescent Valley, so I've gone and visited. My mom has since become like a major fan. You know, she's really come around. She's been to a couple of shows here as well. But yeah, I've been back home before, and I'm still the oddity. I'm still the only gay one there. But um, it's different now. Every, the whole world has kind of come around, mostly. Mm-hmm. What else? Any other audience questions? There's so many people here. Y'all got to have a question. We don't get offended easy we got, either. We have some right in the front here. Yeah, how did the two of you meet? How did you come to you? Oh, um, I had moved here, and I wanted to know how to get into the scene. And I had a mutual friend tell me, like, the person that you need to know out of everyone else, like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people here. She said, the one that you need to meet is Armani the Star. And Armani was running the ship at Five Star Saloon. And I came on a Tuck Tuesday, we call it, which is an open stage for any kind of performer. It doesn't have to be drag. You could come and yodel or juggle. If you're an Elvis impersonator, if you do competitive arm wrestling, I don't know. Um, If you have a talent that you think people want to watch you do for three and a half to four minutes, you can come do it at Five Star on a Tuesday night. Um, But I showed up and I did a couple of the open stages with Armani and we just became friends. And we have literally, I joke on the mic sometimes, I call her my um, benign growth because there's nowhere that I go that she doesn't. And she (laughs) calls me her parasite. But... um, We've been together ever since, and every show that opens up, if I always tell her if I have a say in it, and it's the same back, um, I always got her. She's in everything that I do. Oh, question over here. Do you have, like, I don't know, I don't want to say horrible, like, different jobs during the day, and then you do this outside of that? I do in-home healthcare for adults with disabilities. I do social media marketing for one of the concert venues in town. Um, I clean Airbnbs. And then I do drag. And Armani's got a couple side hustles, too. <laughs> I'm not a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist for probably longer than I've been doing drag. So that's, like, my day job. And 
I guess I'm a psychiatrist as well. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, if, if anybody knows any kind of hairstylist, like, you become some kind of counselor of sorts. Because, like I said, I hear tons and tons of people's, like, daily life and their their woes and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and a lot of that I do apply to my own life because I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> or watch out for that one. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, like... I love doing hair and a lot of my clients do come to my shows and then like vice versa. Like people find out that I do hair. You're not just a drag queen. I'm like, ow, I have a profession as well. Like, and then they come get their hair done and then, yeah. And then when they come get their hair done for the first time, they're like, oh my God, that's the first time I've ever seen you at a drag. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look too different. <laughs> yeah. With drag, you almost have to have, like a side hustle or a daytime job because it doesn't always pay the bills. You know, you know, you know. Sometimes I've I've come home from gigs and I've made two hundred dollars and I've come home from gigs and I've made ten. You know, like it just depends. Any other questions from our audience? What's on the horizon for the future of drag in our community? I don't know about like on the horizon for the future of drag, like period. I think it'll continue to like evolve and grow and we'll get more people to come in, more people will start doing drag and stuff. I know on the horizon for us, sometime in April, we're gonna do a sober drag brunch because I really think it's important for drag to be able to like exist for all audiences, you know, and we have a couple of like different performers that are gonna be highlighted in that as well. Armani, obviously. Um, Victoria Valor from one of the other drag houses here in town will be at that show as well. But um, that's the future for us is just to keep coming at these venues because there's no more gay bars. So we're just going to keep doing shows wherever places will have us. So that's good. It's good to see you here. Uh, so speaking of places where people can see you, where can people follow you on social media? Where can people find you on the regular? I know you mentioned you're at Five Star very frequently. What kind of events do you have coming up? Uh, where can people get connected with what's going on in the drag community, both with you personally and just generally in, in Reno? You know, generally in Reno, I don't think there's like really like a good hub for you to go to to find out like what everybody in town is doing. But for us, um, I'm on Instagram as House, H-A-U-S. It's spelled the gay way. House <laughs> of Vertigo. Um, Armani's on Instagram as Armani the Star. And that's where you can find us online. But then, like, out and about, we're at Five Star. Five Star's like our home bar. We're at Five Star every Tuesday for Tuck Tuesday, and we do trivia. It's free to play. Every Thursday for karaoke. Karaoke's free to sing. Um, almost every Friday for the shows, we watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And then on Sundays, we bounce back and forth from Playfield 76 and Hukava. Nice. Uh, uh, any, anything we missed? What did, we, did we miss anything that you wanted people to know about yourselves or the drag community here in Reno or anything that we didn't cover in our, our conversation tonight? I don't think so. I think we pretty much got everything. Yes. We got I could, I'm pretty sure if we missed something, you guys would have asked more questions. Are you guys sure you don't have any? We do not get offended if you're. No offense whatsoever. Now's the time. Yes. What's up? So, your first time tucking, how. What was the end result of that? I've never tucked you like. I. So, like, from 13 until I was 22, like, I lived as a woman. I'm from, like, 
a town almost exactly like Reno. Like we have the Indian reservation and the casinos and the college and like, but it's like really, really small minded. So it was easier for me to live as a woman than to be a gay boy in my town. So like I started tucking really, really, really early and it sucked. <laughs> like, and like, and there's nobody that you can go to. And back then we didn't have YouTube tutorials. You, so you just had to figure shit out for yourself and like I of course figured it out and like and found a comfortable way to tuck but yeah I I, I can't be in drag and not tuck yeah it that is uncomfortable to me like <laughs> not tucking in drag is uncomfortable yeah I wonder is the political discourse has gotten uh, more uh, transphobic uh, have you felt the effects I'm not hearing he said, as the political discourse like out in the world has gotten more um, transphobic, have we felt any like repercussions, any effects? No, not necessarily for me personally, but like the polarization. I can't say that I'm not scared, you know? Like, I think it would be very arrogant of me to say that I'm not worried about stuff. Fortunately for us, everywhere that we perform at, I trust them. They have excellent security. Um, I never expect anything to happen, but it's something that you need to be aware of. So yeah, it definitely has changed this like happy-go-lucky mindset that I personally have going anywhere, but I I try so hard not to like let that rain on my parade, you know? Excellent. Well, thank you all so much for being here tonight. We're going to have a couple performances tonight, so I'm very excited that our, our queens are going to do a couple numbers for you. Thank you so much for being here. If you are not a subscriber of the Reno Whites podcast, it's free. It's on all your social media and podcast platforms. So wherever you get your podcasts, I hope that you will follow the show. I've been really proud of the work we've done so far. If you want to support the show financially, I do also have a Patreon. I don't walk around collecting dollars. I know that's a great way to make a few bucks. I'm also trying to make a few bucks. So patreon.com slash Whites if you want to support the show and hopefully make it sustainable and financially sustainable because uh, I also don't make any money. So that happens. I see someone yeah. tip him right now. Yes. Oh, look at this. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. So, yes, I appreciate you all being here. We're going to have a couple numbers. So, we're going to take a break for just a few. Oh, thank you. We're going to take a break for just a few minutes and reset the stage for a sec and stick around. Have a couple drinks. Get yourself a drink now and uh, watch a couple performances from our local queens. Thank you all so much for being here. Let's give them a round of applause. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this special live bonus episode of Renoites. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope I will see you at one of our live tapings soon. Again, those are monthly at Black Rabbit Mead. You can find more information on my Instagram at Renoites. If you have suggestions for guests, I would also love to hear those. You can shoot me an email. My address is Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at Renoites.com. Episodes this season are produced by myself, Connor McQuibby as well as Lynn Lazaro and Ember Braun. Thank you so much to Lynn and Ember for helping with this live event and our other episodes this season. That's all I've got for you this week. Our regularly scheduled episode will be out this coming Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.